welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. We want to give a special welcome to you if this is your first time. And as we say, we certainly hope it's not your last time. And you can do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know who you are. And if you'd like to leave a prayer request or if you'd like to request more information, we'd be delighted to share that with you. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are grateful that you found time to join us today. It is the third Sunday of Advent. And it's uh, in our tradition, those that practice the liturgical process, uh, it's called Godot Sunday, which is all about pink. Uh, the candle will light today. Third candle is the candle for joy. It's the candle for the shepherds. And so we wear pink and we use pink as a way to realize that we're halfway to Christmas in the Advent process, but also the joy that we need to find in this moment, in this season. One of the things I'd like to encourage you as you think about uh, just where do we find joy as we're talking about this series about uh, living in a world where we're looking for peace is uh, the U version. Our friends uh, at uh, Life Church have uh, offered a new version of it uh, It's coming out. Uh, actually, a, a part of it is it's called the Daily Refresh. And if you're not already using the Bible app, I would strongly encourage you uh, because it's all about connecting to God because I believe especially in this season as we continue to talk, that we need to refresh our souls on a daily basis. And it's just a delightful app. you'll take a look at it if you're not already using it and there's a link here in the worship notes that you can or down at the bottom you can find a QR code that you can scan with your phone and uh, it will take you and it's it's free Uh, literally tens of millions of people are using this amazing app uh, to better grow their intimacy with God and so as we think about all that that means in the season of Advent as we celebrate peace love joy and all that God has brought us. May we uh, connect better with him through his uh, word to us. And as we come on this third Sunday, let's light our third candle. We're in week three of our series called Christmas. Very simple. But the question I'm wrestling through for all of us is this idea of finding peace. In week one, we talked about Even the idea is peace possible, and we looked at some scripture to encourage us that it's the perfect peace that God brings us when we trust him. Then last week we looked at what do we do when things are upside down in our relationships, particularly when we are offended, how do we find peace in those things? And we looked at the model of how Jesus, who was never offended, who showed love uh, beyond all measure to those around him. And this week what I wanna look at is this idea of waiting. Uh, What do we do while we're waiting? Let's begin first with this great scripture from Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Matthew 1, verses 20 to 23. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in his dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her from the Holy Spirit 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. For me, this season of Advent reminds me, even when life is sort of upside down and I'm working through things, that the promise that God's going to show up. And I'm thankful that God has, has never left us and has never forsaken us. And that's, again, why in the season of Advent we look to uh, what the Scriptures promise us. And so let's begin first with some prayer. Father, we're grateful that you are with us, that you have shown up in flesh and have walked amongst us. And today, as we look at this story again of Scripture, let us be people of faith uh, to exercise, even when we're unsure about what's going on, that you will show up and that you will be there in the fullness of time, whatever we might be working through. But use your Holy Spirit this morning to guide us and instruct us as we look at your word and we pray it through your strong name. Amen. I don't know about you, but one of the worst feelings in life is, uh, is to wait, uh, waiting, 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 and waiting. Whatever it might be, whether it's something as simple as getting the oil changed in the car or getting a tire fixed, or if we're in relationship issues, the idea of waiting for uh, things to, to work in our direction, uh, just the things that we need to know and understand. And when we take it to the next level about when we're waiting on God, it really is complicated. It's really hard to see how he might show up in the midst of where we need him to be. And so when we talk about this, what am I talking about? Well, how about this? Uh, have you ever felt like God takes too long to show up, to bring about the resolution of whatever he's going to resolve in your life? Does it make you feel as though he's not listening or even the idea that he's forgotten you? Or just the things we push through in life, the simple things like a migraine or might be someone who is a loved one who's far from Jesus and you want them to have a, a, a deeper relationship with God. Or maybe it's something to do with your work, you know, the idea of having better benefits. Or maybe you're in a relationship that's really hurting and the difficulties of, of what it looks like through the process of trying to understand the other person and bring about a resolution and peace and restoration. Or it might be depression. It might be where you're just really struggling with finding purpose and direction in your life. And it could be something as simple as a spouse or a wayward child that can be really difficult, maybe simple because we can point to it, but it's like, how do I bring about a deeper understanding? And then I think there's a point where we, we wait so long, we can actually begin to wonder, is God even in it? Does God even care? Or if he is even there, does he pay attention to us? I do take great joy in the writings of the Psalms to remind us in these moments when life is complicated that God will show up. That David many times writes a psalm where he's frustrated, or even this week I was reading through the book of Lamentations to be reminded the lament of the brokenness of our culture and our time, whether it's Jeremiah of old or even as we watch the election results from Georgia, just trying to understand just where we find ourselves or what's going on in our political systems, right? All that. We just wonder, where is God in the midst of that? And I want us to see that uh, it's a similar kind of waiting that is very familiar to those of us that are human beings. And that actually, and when we look at Scripture, we find that there are examples to us of God's people waiting for the Savior to show up, for the promised Messiah to come. And yet, and yet there's nothing. It seems like crickets. 
And so what I want us to see as we look at the scriptures is I want you to see how long God's people had waited. The truth is it begins in the garden. It begins in Genesis chapter 3 after the sin has been committed, after Adam and Eve have fallen, uh, God shows up and brings the judgment that he brings upon the serpent and upon Adam and upon Eve for what their actions will bring them. Now, it's a big theological term, primary to how we understand how the rest of Scripture unfolds, and it's a word called the proto-evangelium. And what the, basically this looks at, it's the first promise of God showing up, of his uh, rescuing us from our, our human plight. It's right here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, And I will put enmity, God is speaking here, between you and the woman, he's talking to the serpent, and between your offsprings and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Well, when we unpack that phrase, uh, you can see that one of those is a mortal wound. Uh, the idea of being crushed uh, is one thing, uh, striking the heel. That right there is a promise in the very uh, cursing of the serpent that God is going to show up someday through the seed of the woman uh, to bring about rescue. And yet, when we know the story, right, it's literally centuries that pass from this point. Now, we get to 700 B.C., and we bump into this guy, Isaiah, uh, and he brings, as a prophet, a promise of the coming of Jesus. And he says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So right here, we have God's promise to send a Savior, and yet his people have to wait. Uh, some 700 years. I mean, can any of us relate to that? I don't know about waiting for 700 years, but I think many of us in the season of life we find ourselves in now and then, it is that waiting. So the question I want us to unpack together is, what is God doing while we're waiting? I want us to see that in the scriptures, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when you get to the end of the book of Malachi, and then you pick up the book of uh, Matthew, there's some 400 years of silence basically, between those two uh, documents. And the question is, you know, what was God doing then? Because obviously he didn't speak. It wasn't written down. What is going on? Did things get, go from bad to worse? And at least during the Old Testament times, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, uh, you have all these prophets that spoke God's word. At least it seems as though God was uh, talking to his people. But here we have 400 years of waiting. And again, I don't know about you, but the reason we're looking at this is because sometimes I think we feel like that we're getting no word from God, that he's not speaking to us, that we're, we're looking for an answer or a sign or a feeling or just anything, right? But it ends up being just silence. And so here's a statement I think that can be really helpful for us. A big idea is that just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's absent, or maybe saying it this way, while you're waiting, God is working. I'm reminded of that great hymn that we've sung, a Waymaker, contemporary hymn, where we're reminded that it's one of the stanzas that talks about how even when we don't see you, you're working, how we don't see you working in our time, and yet God is working. That's something that gives us hope as we think about it. Now, it's interesting in Scripture uh, there is a, an understanding about God's timing, and it has to do with this season we call Christmas or Advent. Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. That understanding there, 
phrase, the set time had fully come, in the original Greek basically means when it's complete or when it's full measure or it's the perfect time. Other versions of scripture say it this way, the time was right or the fullness of time had come. Or maybe literally we can say when the time was fully pregnant, which is kind of a cool concept when we think about the promise that comes to us out of Genesis, that God's going to fulfill all that he's going to offer us through the seed of a woman. In other places in Scripture, it gives inference to the seed of man. But, but to remind us that that is the underscoring of the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, and which really underscores the fact that he didn't uh, inherit the sin nature because of an earthly father, that he was without sin. And because he was without sin, that means he could be our forgiver. He could be our redeemer, as we say, and that he could offer the forgiveness by the offering of his life uh, for all that. And that we need to be thankful for, right? Because that's grace. But again, as we look at this, it's been centuries. You know, God promised to send a savior. And yet, how long does it take him to fulfill that? And yet at the same time, we're reminded it's when the time was just right. And we've said this every time I'm on the radio with Mark and Gabe, uh, to remind ourselves just because of the things we share about, that God's always in the perfect moment, that he's always there when he's supposed to be. He never shows up too early. He never shows up late. He's always perfect and when he does show up. And then when we think about this moment of Christmas, this perfect moment that he sends his son. Now, I want to just take a moment and just ask the question, why? Why did God wait? Why did it have to be this perfect time? Well, again, we say that God's timing is perfect, and we know that he is always good. And so just to give some perspective on that, again, as we said at the beginning, the big idea is that just because God feels silent doesn't mean that he's absent. And to be reminded, too, while we're waiting, that God is working. And now to play on the effort of when I was in seminary, we, when we do a survey of the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a period of time, about 400 years, uh, where God is silent. And we call that the intertestamental period. And what was going on during that time? Well, a couple things to point out here that gives us some perspective. First of all, there was this guy called Alexander the Great, right? And during that period of time, uh, over 12 years, he basically conquered the entire world. And then, obviously, when you do that, you become Alexander the Great because of the good work that you did. Now, what's significant about that and what took place culturally and in the various civilizations that were going on there, the various cultures as well? At that time was the first time where there was a common language that was spoken. Uh, the truth is, that during that time, most people spoke a little Greek. And then it, during that time also, uh, the Old Testament, uh, God's word up to that point, began to be translated in, into Greek. And along with that, we have this guy named Socrates, right? And we learn the Socratic method with the Greek philosophers where people are encouraged to ask questions and to think through ideas. You know, even Paul in his journey in Acts talks about the conversations he has, the dialogue with the, the various uh, philosophers of the day in the Areopagus. And, and so at the same time, we also know that the Romans conquered the Greeks and the Roman Empire was established. And during that time, from a technological standpoint, you have all sorts of amazing things that happen. The, the roads and the highways and the waterways, the viaduct, all this amazing thing that takes place, the building of, 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 of what this Western civilization becomes, that brings about all sorts of crazy opportunities, growth. And, and then at the same time, there is what we call the diaspora, 
which was a season for the ancient Israelites where they were not allowed to live in Jerusalem. And basically, Jews were dispersed all over uh, the Roman world. Uh, and, and so it just is a better understanding of what's going on at that time. Now, what that means is that the, for the first time in history, uh, here's what's, what takes place. First, that everyone could read the Bible, at least the Old Testament, in a language they understood. It was the first time that people were encouraged to ask questions and that soon here we're going to see, obviously, as we think about Advent, that God's going to send an answer. And then also when we think about how the gospel is going to be uh, promoted and promulgated is is the big word, Uh, it's the good news of Jesus that can travel in a common language all throughout the world. And then finally, it's because of the technology, the roads and the highways that is going to allow uh, God's people, as they encounter his word, uh, to take the, the hope of the gospel beyond Judea, Samaria, and the outer reaches, right? That's what we're promised to, to lean into as a great commission. Now, again, I want to say, especially as we think about this, is that, that while God's people were waiting, God was working. Again, Waymaker, I just think that song is so powerful to remind us of that. Because there's moments in all of our lives where it seems as though we're in a holding pattern, and it seems as though uh, that God's giving us a silent treatment. And yet we know, because of God's promises to us as his children, that he, we are not alone. And that, that where we may find ourselves is not about that we're not good enough spiritually. Think about these other stories that we take from Scripture. I mean, the story of Abraham and Sarah, right? They waited some 25 years to hold Isaac as their child. And remember, they sort of messed it up in the midst where they uh, pushed it out with uh, Hagar and Ishmael and all the things that took place there because they just didn't trust that God was going to show up. Or the story of Joseph and the number of years that he spent in prison, some 13 or 14. And it was actually late in his life to some degree. He was in his late 40s when he finally was found to be called to to be second in charge to lead Egypt through one of uh, what would be the most difficult periods with a, a worldwide famine and yet how God used him to save people then. Or in the New Testament, we see the stories of the woman who had the issue of blood for some uh, dozen years, and how she encounters Jesus, and he changes everything for her. But you remember, that was complicated. We talked about that a couple months ago. Or even the idea of the the person who's paralyzed, who the man who couldn't walk for some 38 years, and yet God, through Jesus, brings about a miraculous healing— and, and brings about a whole new understanding. And again, it's this idea of in the fullness of time. I want us to see, and this is another big idea for today, is that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. And that we need to be reminded too, is that while we're waiting, that God is doing something, that he's actively engaged. And so while we're waiting on it, whether it's a, an answer or a miracle, or for him just to show up with some kind of provision, it may be that it's because we're not ready that God's still working on whatever he's working on and wanting us to understand all sorts of things in our own story. I just know from Melinda and I, we, we waited to become parents, and we thought that we were going to be with childless. And then, and then as we began conversations about adoption and we did the case study and did all the things that were necessary as well as doing all sorts of medical procedures to enhance our uh, status of, as being infertile, and just as we were ready to file the, the case plan for prospective adoption, 
All of a sudden we find out we're pregnant with our first daughter, Sarah. And the beauty of what uh, God offers us in that. And then thinking about that, four years later, our caseworker came to us and said, hey, you still have this uh, case plan put together. Let's, uh, let's open up the opportunity for adoption. And we pursued that. And then we are given our son, Jed. And while we're finalizing the legal aspect of him becoming our son, we find out we're pregnant with our last-born, Emma. And the beauty of all those things that God shows in the waiting and the things we learned through that. And there were frustrations, many difficulties, but at the same time, God's faithfulness and his provision. And I know there are folks, I I have conversations almost weekly with people who are waiting on God, Uh, someone who's wanting to get married, and they've been single for a long time. They've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed and they're still single. Or others who are married and they're struggling in the relationship and they're wondering if God's hearing them. Uh, See this through some of the work that I do with some of the at-risk families and trying to offer a perspective. Or others like us who are praying for the opportunity to become parents and yet month after month waiting and waiting and waiting. Even the idea of a promotion at work or trying to clarify our purpose. I had a conversation this morning with someone who was trying to figure out how to find margin in their life, really frustrated with their current place of of work and wondering what God would do with them in a new season. So what I want us to see is that it may be that while we're waiting on whatever it is that we're waiting on, is that it's not time. It's not that perfect moment, as Paul reminds us, that maybe we're not ready. So what I want us to lean into is this idea that before God does something for us, that he wants to do something in us. And it really is about trusting him, this idea of patience and trust. And he wants to draw us close to him. He wants us to depend on him. And he doesn't want us to waste the waiting. So again, this idea of uh, how version is retooling itself with this refresh on a daily basis. I strongly encourage you, if you're not currently using that as an app, to do that, to be able to lean into God's Word so that you can hear what he has to say in the moment. It's interesting, uh, again, the prophet Isaiah says this, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. It's Isaiah 64.4. You see, we need to be reminded that it's the God that we love and serve who acts. And it's the God that we love and serve who moves. And then he responds and he initiates. And and then even he interrupts, if you think about just the whole story of Mary and Joseph. And when we look at this understanding and we celebrate Advent, we are reminded, too, that God is always good, that his timing is always perfect, and that fundamentally in all things we can trust him. So I want to say it this way, maybe, is that he's not ignoring us. He's not ignoring you, nor is he neglecting you. And to say really truthfully, he hasn't forgotten you. Because this much we need to be reassured is that he loves us. And that, most importantly, he knows the desires of your heart. And so again, back to this big idea that just because God seems silent doesn't mean he's absent. And to be reminded, too, that while we're waiting, that God is working. Now, what makes Christianity so different than all the other faith traditions, all the other world religions, is that in every other religious system, it's all about people, about human beings pursuing their God. 
that it's all about trying to win favor. It's all about doing good behavior. It's all about rituals. It's all about doing good things. But I want us to be reminded, and this is where the Christmas story takes it to a whole new level, is that we serve a God who comes after us. That as Paul reminds us, that it was when the time was right that God sent his son Jesus to rescue us. And so as we look at this, we're reminded in another part of Scripture of this truth. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, which is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And maybe it's simply this, and maybe it's this larger question on this uh, third Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of joy, where we celebrate all that was given to those shepherds on that hillside so many years ago. What if the God that you are waiting for is waiting for you? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for all that you've done to pursue us. And on this third Sunday of Advent, we pray your presence into our lives in a way that it challenges us to see you in a whole new way. And send your Holy Spirit uh, through the work of what Jesus has done to rescue us and encourage us in understanding the relationship you want with us. And we just pray it through your strong name. Amen.